0: Welcome in to the four one one on wrestling podcast. I am your host Blake Lovell and uh, Flying Solo here on this episode of the podcast to share some thoughts on WWE Money in the Bank uh, from Sunday night in Fort Worth, and uh, it was quite a show with a lot of significant developments uh, from from a lot of different sides. Uh, when you look at uh, certainly returns, um, people who won matches and are now potentially catapulted into much bigger spots. Uh, overall, just uh, I thought a, a really fun show um you know with with just a lot of things coming out of it uh, now as the road to SummerSlam begins uh, but let's jump right in it did start uh with one particular development on the pre-show and that was the Usos defeating uh, Ray Ray and Dominic Mysterio to win the SmackDown tag team titles of course the immediate reaction was why are the Usos winning uh when you had the recent events with Jimmy Uso um the arrest and those things and I think Look, WWE has not even released a statement on the situation yet. And remember, this is, you know, this has happened a while ago, I guess, in, in wrestling terms. Um, what was it, a couple weeks ago or, or whatever it's been now. But it's like, I mean, it, this is just something that clearly um, they, you know, were not going to address. They've not addressed it at all. I mean, he was on immediately after on SmackDown. And I think from a storyline standpoint, look, this was the direction they were going in. Uh, you knew that if they were going to build to this match, the Usos were probably going to win so they can sort of continue to further everything going on with Roman Reigns, and now all three of them have championships. Um, It's not surprising at all, I think, for the storyline for the Usos to win this match, Uh, but I do understand, you know, when you look across social media and and a lot of the responses, the fact that WWE, you know, did not address the thing with Jimmy Uso at all, um, you know, and, and now to have it where basically, I mean, very soon after, he's now one half of the the tag team champions, uh, again, with, uh, you know, his brother. And I just think it's something that I get the reaction. Uh, I think anyone would when you just look at, again, how this situation unfolded, um, the history and everything involved. Um, And so, yeah, it's just, I, I think it's WWE has clearly decided that, Look, I mean, they've done it before where they've said, you know, talent is responsible for their own actions and those kind of things. But, like, you really didn't even get that on this situation. Um, So in a long line of things, this is probably, you know, not that surprising in terms of how WWE maybe has gone about handling this. Um, So I think it's just I'm not sure, you know, maybe what direction they go in next. But um, this is clearly something that I think storyline-wise, they knew they wanted to get to this point. And they did, and it seemed like, you know, nothing was going to stop that, and um, like it or not, this is just kind of what they decided on. Um, So, I mean, yeah, it's, again, I I understand all of the the reactions and everything, and I wonder, you know, is that one of the reasons they put this on the pre-show rather than having it on the main show? You can make a lot of justifications for that, Uh, but um, it it is something that I think I, I did find a little bit curious But it was already a pretty lengthy show, I think, on the main cart itself, so that could also be something that goes along with it. But um, nonetheless, the Usos are the SmackDown Tag Team Champions, and that will certainly play into what they have moving forward storyline-wise with everything going on with Roman Reigns. But uh, that sent us into the main show, which uh, started with the women's Money in the Bank ladder match, and I thought this was one going in. You know the build was not great, which we're gonna we're gonna have that same thought on something that you know greatly exceeded expectations in a little bit later on when we talk about another match. But it just seemed like this was one that was certainly thrown together a bit more maybe than the men's Money in the Bank uh, ladder match, uh, and there just wasn't seeming a lot of rhyme or reason for some of the the women in terms of earning their spot and those kind of things. Which just, but nonetheless, I mean, I, I think you looked at it. It's an interesting field. Um, didn't really know, I think, what to expect in terms of a winner. I think that was this one was, you know, pretty wide open for a lot of the part. I mean, you, you could have justified some of these other people. You know, Naomi, could you have made a case for that? Sure, you could have. Um, Selena Vega, even though I think she's just sort of been an afterthought at this point since her return. I mean, she did get beat by Liv Morgan in two minutes, uh, basically right after she returned. Um, so you kind of pretty much understood where she was going to get slotted right away. But that's WWE. Like, could they have just done that and just have swerve everybody and have her win this match? Sure, I guess they could have. Uh, but I think you had some interesting situations you could have went with. I think, you know, Natalia and Tamina were probably not going to win the match. I think those were the probably the obvious two that you just did, really did not expect. But you could have made a case for, for the other six, uh, I think. With Alexa Bliss, I thought that, you know, her character, it was a big question. You know, is her character going to be over based on all these things they've done with her? during the the, the pandemic era without a crowd, um, I think she was still over for the most part. When you saw the reaction, um, despite the booking, I mean, the fans are still into what she's doing, and I thought her character work to start the match was pretty great, where she's just standing up on the ropes on the side, just sort of staring at everyone. Of course, during the match, you had her, um, you know, hypnotizing uh, Zelina and all this other stuff, which, uh, you know, some people will like that, some people will not. For the character, I mean, it's, you know, we've come to expect it at this point, so... I can't say, you know, again, it's not something you're really shocked by, uh, but this is just one of those things where um, the character, it was going to be interesting to see, I think, how the crowd reacted to her, but as long as they're not just going full force with some of those things and she still, you know, can kind of be what she was in this match as an active competitor where you're just not overwhelming everything with the the different layers of her character that we've seen, um, if it's still within the world of professional wrestling, I think that people will still, you know, appreciate what she can do. And I think you kind of saw that here. Um, I think something else that stood out in this match, Liv Morgan, I feel like just she just seems like a star to me. Um, and I think that's where booking comes in. You can certainly portray someone as a star. You can portray someone as sort of, um, as I, I mean, you portray sort of some, someone as an afterthought. But I think for Liv Morgan, like we've seen glimpses of that in the past. And I thought the crowd really reacted to her here, too. I mean, Naomi, I think, is one that got a big pop coming out. Um, You know, there's just it's hard to know, I think, based off of just one crowd reaction for some of these people. Um, You know, you have the obvious ones that we know that have just been top stars. I think when you talk about people that you're trying to elevate, uh, it's always curious to see kind of what the crowd's going to do. And I think, you know, again, for people like Liv Morgan, Naomi, ones like that, um, there's still something there. And I just, I don't know that WWE ever sort of, you know, puts them in that spot, uh, again. Uh, I mean, there, there are going to be lots of opportunities, but I think you still kind of see that there is something there. And maybe it's a similar situation with Asuka, where I think Asuka's kind of just now that person where she's always going to be over to some extent. I think she's just built up a body of work to this point where People are probably, at least I am, always going to appreciate what she can do. Um, But um, I just, there were lots of different elements in this match that, you know, there's just, it wasn't the greatest match, I think, from a technical standpoint or anything like that. I think there were obviously, you know, this was not going to reach the level of the men's match. I think we all probably realized that. But at the same time, I, I think the crowd reactions were the most interesting thing to me, just to sort of see what people responded to, um, what they thought of people like Alexa Bliss, Liv Morgan and such. Um, and I think you got that here. And that leads us to who actually won the match, which was um, you know, Nikki Ash, this character that is one that has certainly drawn a lot of different feedback, I think, since when since it was introduced. Um, but um I get kind of where they're going with her and now, you know, with her as the, the money in the bank winner. I don't really know exactly what the next step is, but that's for WWE to decide. Like, that's for them to put her in a point to where, you know, you really want to buy in if and when she eventually becomes the champion. And I think the one thing I'm a little hesitant about is, boy, they really continue to play up the fact that every single Women's Money in the Bank winner has become champion. And I hope that doesn't mean, you know, that's kind of one of those WWE things where they just beat it into your head so much to where you know they're going to go in the opposite direction to where maybe she loses. Um, I don't think that does her any favors if eventually they get there and they do that. I can't see this being one of those cash ins going to happen anytime soon. Like, I feel like, you know, sometimes you can kind of look and say, all right, I could see this person cashing in pretty quickly. I don't think that's the case with Nikki, because as we're going to talk about, I think their women's matches are pretty set. Uh, moving forward uh, in terms of just Raw and SmackDown. And, you know, she could always be drafted in SmackDown. But I I just think either way, I don't see them putting her in a position to cash this thing in anytime soon. But maybe I'm wrong. But I just think that they have a pretty clear direction where they're going with their top uh, women's stars and titles. I just don't think she's cashing anytime soon. But for her, it's all about the, you know, how do they continue to build that character? How do they continue to move forward with it? I think that's going to be the big thing uh, to look for with her. But like I said, I I would also like to see maybe something a little more in-depth with someone like Liv Morgan, and I think it's going to be, you know, where does the Alexa Bliss character go from here, those types of things. Um, that, that's something where I think, you know, you see those things stand out in this particular match, and there's someone in the men's match we'll talk about in a few um, that could be in a similar situation, but uh, where do they go from here, and do they just go back to the 50-50, you know, everyone's just kind of there, or do you take away some of the parts of this match that really stood out? Like I said, I think you know crowd reaction to Alexa, Liv Morgan, those kind of here. Naomi, is there something you can figure out uh, to do with them that can continue to kind of elevate them? So we'll see. But it is Nikki uh, with the women's Money in the Bank, Money in the Bank briefcase, and we'll see where they go from there with that. Next up was the uh, tag team championship match on Raw, which was AJ Styles and almost uh, defeating uh, the Viking Raiders and. I tell you um this was one that I, I just I did not have a lot of expectations for uh because you just didn't again I, we talk about the build and everything on raw I think they're to to a certain extent you know they did a more poor job of building some of the, the fuse on raw than they did on smackdown but I, I just think this was I mean the, you talk about crowd reaction like AJ and almost like they were over um they, they were really over and I think that was something that you know, when you see them pair together, I think initially people were wondering, oh, man, you know, is this going to take AJ out of kind of one of those top spots? And he's just going to sort of be kind of one of those guys that falls into sort of the mid-card level. But, like, they felt like a top-level act here, um, you know, and I think that's, that's notable because, you know, we didn't know what to expect with, with Almost. And, and what's he going to, you know, is he going to be someone that they're really going to be able to take this from where they started, you know, basically at WrestleMania? can they get, you know, months and months out of this? And like, I feel like it's not even like, we're just going up like now we're, we're not even on the downswing yet of these two. And and I will say that probably is a little bit surprising, not just for me, but probably for other people, not knowing exactly how long they were going to be able to uh, kind of, you know, push this out. And and it was all about seeing, you know, his development. And, and could he be right there with AJ in terms of being able to deliver um on those types of levels. You knew he wasn't going to be able to to have the type of match that AJ could, let's say in a singles fashion or anything like that. But they have done a really good job, I think, of, of putting almost in there. And basically I think, you know, it's all about how you book someone like him who doesn't have a lot of experience, but he just is such a unique um specimen when you just look at the size of this guy. Um and I mean he I thought he looked really good here. And I just think it's one of those situations where You look at it now and, you know, they're clearly to me setting up for probably going to have AJ and almost against, um, Randy Orton and and Riddle. Like you're going to do the RK bro thing at SummerSlam, like on paper, maybe a month or two ago, you're like, yeah, I don't really know about that. But I think now like that feels like a a pretty good match. Like that feels like something that the crowd's going to really be into. And this was like, I thought this was better than expected. And this is not taking anything away from the Viking Raiders because I thought they they actually performed pretty well here again for a team that you talk about the booking that's been really up and down, but I thought they they looked good in this match, uh, but they also helped too and and really just helping I think get almost over um it was it was good stuff, and um, this is one again where I didn't have a lot of high expectations coming in, but it delivered and it really stood out how over uh, the champs are there on raw and I, I do think that's going to make for kind of a fun and entertaining build moving forward uh, as we head towards that SummerSlam match which like i said will likely at least it seems right now will be against um you know Orton and Riddle um so lots lots to work with there but uh, th- these two guys are over uh, and uh, i mean yeah it's just uh, it's good stuff i think with what they've done uh, with these two in particular speaking of Raw, that led us to the WWE championship match uh, Bobby Lashley successfully defending the title against Kofi Kingston I don't think we went into this expecting Kofi Kingston to win the title, but when he came out and got that just massive pop uh, right off the, I mean, it was just, it was one of the loudest pops of the night. Of course, there's going to be one that uh, exceeds it a bit later on, but I mean, the crowd love Kofi, and I think that is, again, Kofi is someone that now you know you can put in these situations, and maybe it's not Kofi mania again, but you know you can still put him in these spots and the crowd is going to be invested uh, and they were here um even though the, the things went pretty south uh pretty quickly uh for Kofi but i thought this was the kind of match that it really needed to be um, to continue to kind of display Lashley's dominance to where he's tired of we've seen it kind of in the build too and this was you know this was something i thought the build was was pretty good for this particular uh feud but we saw kind of Lashley hit that next gear, I think with the promo he had last week or whenever it was uh, about, you know, just kind of getting a little more serious and needing to kind of show that, look, he is this dominant champion when he wants to be. And I thought this was kind of it where you you really knew, I mean, yes, you know, I don't think there was a lot of people thinking that Kofi was going to win this thing and they never really led you in that direction. This was all about Lashley and setting him up as much as they could um, to to really display, again, his dominance, his strength, his power, all of that. And I thought it was really what it needed to be, knowing where they're headed next. And I think that is where you're going to see a lot of um, different opinions. Mine uh, will, will probably be one of those as well. We know that, at least according to the reports, we're headed towards Lashley versus Goldberg at SummerSlam. And I think this is one where... All of this stuff with Kofi, to have Lashley win the match this way and to be this just dominant sort of champion going in, coming out victorious, saying, hey, when when I want to turn it on, I can be you know as good as anybody. That's great leading into this Goldberg match. But I think, I almost hope that they will take it a step further here and maybe try to do something exactly similar uh, to what they did here with Goldberg. Like, do this, if you're Lashley, don't just have him go in and have this 50-50 match with Goldberg um, where, you know, Lashley's on the defense the entire match, which I don't, you know, this isn't going to be a 20-minute a match or anything. I, I don't think they're going to go that direction. This feels like another one of those kind of short maybe 5 to 10 minutes. And I think 10 is probably your max on a match like this, but I think you go, you know, 5, 8, whatever minutes, and you really hammer home the fact that Lashley is this unbeatable guy uh, and have him beat Goldberg. You know, I'm not saying he's going to throw him around like he did Kofi or anything like that, but I think you need to have another dominant Lashley win here um, at Summerslam. And I don't, you know, I don't know if they go that way. Maybe it is one where you know, I don't know what they do, but I, I don't think they're putting the title on on Goldberg. I will say that right now. I know that's a, a fear for people. I just can't imagine it. <laughs> I guess we, as we've seen with WWE over the years, um, expect the unexpected at times, but. I just don't see that being a situation. I feel like this is sort of that, not really a starting point, but it's sort of like a newer version of Lashley. I feel like that they've got a pretty defined direction now for where they want to go with him. Um, so you would think that that means he's going to take care of business against Goldberg. Like I said, maybe it's not you know in squash fashion or anything like that, but I just think that that's the right move here. You need to have Lashley in this program Um, The build will will probably be fine um, because, you know, it is someone where they're going to bring Goldberg back. What does it do for ratings? Who knows? Uh, But, I mean, Goldberg's got two matches a year on his contract, and he's got to get another one in, I guess, um, here sooner rather than later. And so this is what they're going to go with, knowing that they're building SummerSlam up, you know, as the the second biggest show of the year, or, you know, as some of the reports have talked about, they're wanting them to build this like a WrestleMania Um, it's a, on paper, you know, it's, it's Goldberg, like Goldberg, someone who still has star value, star name, all this stuff. But, um, in terms of the match, I just think that Lashley needs to, you know, develop this continued dominant streak. And I think that's where, you know, we'll obviously talk more about this moving forward. But, um, I thought that this was kind of a step towards that. And, 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 and since that point, um, you know, I'm recording this on Monday morning. Uh, I think Lashley on his Twitter, or they were even saying it on commentary, you know, Who who could possibly step up and challenge Lashley? And then I think Lashley put on Twitter, you know, one of his things about winning, and then he said, who's next, which, again, we know what that's leading to. But uh, we'll talk more about that as we go along uh, the road to SummerSlam. But a dominant win from Lashley, and hopefully that will be sort of the springboard uh, for what's to come uh, with his likely match with Goldberg at SummerSlam. And then more Raw here as uh, it was Charlotte Flair winning the Raw Women's Championship from Rhea Ripley, uh, and this was the one, as I alluded to earlier, the build to this match, uh, in, in quite simple terms, just, I thought it sucked. I, I just did not think it was very good. I just was not invested in this build at all. Like, I just, I had no idea what they were doing from a character standpoint. I still don't think that it maybe changes all that much with this one match, but at least... We got what probably I think it's it's hard to completely for me to to grade the money in the bank men's matches we're going to talk about in a second because of some issues, uh streaming wise, but I thought this is still, as I look back at this card, like this match was, again, if you want to call it the best, i I don't know that I would argue with it, but it was certainly you know a top tier match not just on this particular card but I think you know it's one of those matches that has stood out in WWE this year to date uh with Charlotte winning the title from Rhea Ripley but this is another example of the build can be terrible but WWE has just they have found a way for the most part to be able to deliver when it comes to these pay-per-view matches and I thought from the very beginning you know People are are chanting, you know, we want Becky. Everybody wants Becky Lynch. Like, the crowd, totally into her. And look, from the beginning, can you blame them? Like, knowing the build to this, I don't think there was a lot of interest in this match just because they had not built this up in a cohesive way to make you that invested in what you were going to see. But then... These two were able to take that from the very beginning of the match. Like, it's one of those where, um, what was it, many years ago, like, you just have the crowd going wild. It was during the, was it Sheamus and Orton, something like that, a match on Raw where the crowd's just chanting every other thing, um, all that stuff. And it's just like, we've seen that before, and you were like, oh, boy, like, they could go in this direction. But these two were able to completely flip that to where, you know, Charlotte, like her or not, when she's on, like, she's on. And we saw that here from the very beginning. Crowds doing all these chants. You know, you had the Peacock um blackout, where I guess that they cut it out, where Charlotte's giving the middle finger to the crowd and all this other stuff. Um, I just thought that was terrific. And, of course, you know, whether it was intentional or not, like, to actually black part of that out, I just didn't think made any sense. I think it just added so much to the match. And I think from there, the crowd was hooked. Like, they were hooked on Charlotte. Uh, And then I think the more you go along, Rhea Ripley has a role to play here too. And I I said it on Twitter. I'm still, you know, kind of mind blown about WWE not having any idea what to do with Rhea Ripley's character on the main roster. I still don't know if they do. I don't know if this match is going to change that. But I just think that they have really kind of, you know, fumbled that. And we talked about, you know, Steve and I talked about that on a previous episode. We're talking about sort of NXT call ups and all that. And Rhea's probably, despite being champion, like, I just don't think she's been booked well at all. But this is the kind of match where you can get going in the right direction because of how good this was. Um, I still don't know what they do with her moving forward, but this was just a a spectacular display. I thought for these two to be able to take the crowd from where they were when the match started to where they finished and to have people kind of hanging on all these different big moves, big spots, um, it really was. Like, it was fantastic. And and it's one, like, I want to go back and rewatch this one again because it may even be better the second time around, uh, but on the initial watch, like it was, it was stellar. And uh, again, props to those two because they were not given much to work with <laughs> from a build standpoint. But I thought they absolutely delivered here with uh, one of the best matches of the night. And again, I would not argue if you want to even say that this was the match of the night. Uh, this from from everything involved, like this was just this was great work from both of them. And hopefully, you know that serves as something here where it helps Rhea moving forward because she needs something from a character standpoint. But I think this is also something where, you know, Charlotte's back. Like, again, like her or not, uh, I know some people do not, uh, you know, kind of care for how WWE has booked Charlotte over the years, but I think this was kind of one of those things that was pretty well-deserved uh, from that standpoint to be able to to have them deliver this type of match. It was just, boy, it it was great. Like, I just, they really came through in a match that not a lot of people were invested in. Uh, But uh, I think that this is really going to be a situation where there's a lot they can do moving forward. And now it does set up the inevitable question of, is this where they go to Charlotte versus Becky? Uh, Does Becky come back? They make that match. Would not be surprised at all if that's the direction they're going, because that would give you the possibility of having Charlotte versus Becky at SummerSlam and the likelihood, uh, you know, based on rumors and all that, that you're going to get Bianca versus Sasha. That would be two huge <laughs> matches from a women's standpoint at SummerSlam, so I think that's the curious thing we see if that's where they head. But uh, this is one—if you didn't see the show, go back and like. Really, we're going to say this about the next, really the last three matches here. Um, like we said, there's other good stuff on the card, but this is a must-watch match uh, based on what these two do. To, these two did because uh, the, the, they were they were fantastic here. So um, then it was the men's Money in the Bank ladder match, and unfortunately. This is where the uh, Peacock streaming airs uh, decided to take over a little bit in terms of uh, <laughs> everybody was just losing their minds, uh, me included, like trying to figure out what was going on. Uh, I tried to switch a couple times. I'm like, okay, is it my TV? Is it, uh, can I see if it works on the computer? Like all this other stuff. Um, and this is all basically during the entrances, which I, I wasn't pleased with because. I wanted to hear the reaction of some of these people uh, because the crowd had somewhat been booing, I guess, Drew McIntyre earlier when he did the promo. um, And I was like, okay, are they really going to, you know, boo Drew McIntyre to this level? That would change a bit as the match went along. Uh, But I just really wanted to hear the crowd reactions. Like I said earlier, I think it's such a big part knowing that this is a unique situation and you really want to see what the crowd reacts to with some of these people. Um, But nonetheless, I, I think it was still... Once the feed came back, um, which it took a little while, and, and I joked on Twitter, it's not ideal when you have uh, a pay-per-view that's part of a $1 billion rights agreement uh, with Peacock and the WWE, where you have people on Twitter having to give advice on how to actually make it work. Uh, you know, you have to log out, log back in, or restart the app and all this other stuff, and it's just, I get it, technical stuff happens, so... Uh, but it did not come at a great time because this was the match I think most people are probably looking forward to the most when it comes to um, just the all of the talent involved. And this is, you know, it, it delivered like you knew it was going to. They had a they had a great match, and I thought that there was uh, a lot of different spots in this match that you could point to and say, you know, wow, like we were used to that with these Money in the Bank ladder matches, but there were a lot of wow moments uh, with what some of these you know talents can do. I thought that Ricochet. And it's not a surprise, probably, when we've seen Ricochet in some of these matches before and knowing that he is one of the best high flyers out there. I think even Edge, uh, he was on the Kurt Angle show recently, and Edge even said, he's like, you know, Ricochet is just, he called him one of the best, I think, of all time, like just in terms of what he can do from a high flying standpoint. Um, And it's hard to argue with that based on what you saw in this match. I thought he really stood out in some of the spots they did, not just maybe from his offensive stuff, but also just selling some of the moves that he had to sell. Um, and look, can Ricochet ever get a proper push in WWE uh, at this point without maybe the top-tier mic skills or those types of things? I've said before, absolutely you can, because it's all about booking strengths, right? And that's, you know, Paul Heyman always talked about that, and everybody's talked about that with Paul Heyman before, but it's like you book to the strengths, in which they've done that. You know, look at someone like Omos and um, guys like that. Like, they they have booked to people's strengths before, uh, but I think it's one where there's no reason they cannot continue to find a way to have Ricochet as a, as a, you know, not necessarily a main event star, but as one of those talents that you can kind of put on and know that you're going to have fantastic matches, which we've seen it with Morrison and such in recent weeks. But um, I just think that Ricochet there, there's a lot more there that I I wish they would tap into. He's never going to headline WrestleMania. I don't think uh, from, you know, just looking at it from a WWE standpoint, knowing what they want in those types of spots, but there's still a lot I feel like they can do with Ricochet, uh, but elsewhere, I mean, really, again, it's not like anyone else was not in a position to really shine here because everyone I thought you know looked good in this thing. They had their chances to to get their stuff in, and um, you know, and that's where, like I said, you know, you know what you're getting with Drew McIntyre, you know what you're getting with Seth Rollins, pretty much everyone in this match, like you know what you're getting with John Morrison. He's been in these matches before. Uh, Riddle, you know, he's kind of you know exploded into someone. That has really been pushed, you know, to a standpoint that we know he's going to be kind of in that upper tier based on everything he's got going on with Randy Orton and such. Um, and then the winner, Big E, which I thought was the right call. Uh, I just felt like of all the people in the match, Big E probably needed this more than anyone to really establish him as a as a world title threat. This is kind of, you know, again, you knew... He needed this, I think, to elevate him to that spot. Because the stuff with Apollo Crews, it's been fine. Like, the, the you know, the feud he had intercontinental title-wise, uh, intercontinental title-wise. Um, but I don't know necessarily that this is kind of a situation where you look at this and feel like, you know, Biggie was just going to somehow get there without them giving him that extra push. And he needed a little something, I think to get him to that point. And I know people have talked about, you know, the character and such, like, is that something to where do they need to refine that a little bit? I think there are parts of it. They can refine a bit uh, to get him, you know, maybe, but still like the the crowd still loves him and and he's really over. Like we saw that from the finish. Uh, I just, I think he was the best choice. And I've made the argument before, if you're going to try to figure out who do we need to beat Roman Reigns when he finally loses that title, I don't think that, you know, Cena, Rock, Lesnar, any of those huge, huge names. They don't need that situation to elevate them. But if you find a way to build up someone like Big E to that spot and you have him be the one to beat Roman Reigns, now you've got your top star established moving forward. Like you, you immediately catapult him to that status just by winning that match. Whereas the others that are these blockbuster main event type matches that WWE, you know, we know loves to do and we know they'll bring in a lot of money. If it's Reigns and Rock headlining WrestleMania, if it's Reigns and Lesnar, or any of these other matches, we know they're doing Reigns and Cena at SummerSlam. Uh, but if you want to just do it for kind of where your company is right now, and look, I know Big E's 35. Like it's not like he's a younger star, but you know WWE's got main eventers in their 40s, and like it's just it's kind of one where 35 is kind of young in WWE terms at this point. So um, I just it was the the best call I think, and now you know you can still do. Rollins, the, the tension with Reigns and all that stuff—you can do all that without Money in the Bank, and we know that we're going to lead to Rollins versus Edge, which we'll get to in a second. But um, I just think Big E was the right call here, and and now it's how do you establish him, you know, to where is he the one that beats Roman Reigns, or do you do the draft, and or do you do it in a situation where Big E cashes in on Bobby Lashley? Um, either way, I think I think it works out either way, and I think that again, Big E is someone that's going to be the world champion at some point. It's just which direction do you go with that, um, and do you feel that that he's the one that could eventually, you know, kind of dethrone Roman Reigns, and that's where the questions come in. But that's also on WWE to put him in that spot. So um, I think I, I you know, I, I just I thought that it was great for Big E knowing that you know this is someone that the crowd has really been behind. We know for a lot a lot of his career, like we just seen it. It's he's someone that's easy to root for, easy to get behind, and I think now. It's a situation where they, they've got it in place. Now it's how do you execute it? How do you put him in a spot now to win? If he does eventually become the world champion, he is in a spot to succeed. And um, that's that's going to be the thing uh, to see how that, that goes. But a uh, great match here. Uh, and, and, you know, not surprising because I think we knew this match was going to deliver. So, and then we wrapped up with uh, Edge versus Roman Reigns. It was Roman Reigns uh, successfully defending the Universal Championship uh, in a pretty lengthy match here. This one went over 30 minutes, um, and it was just kind of one of those where you know they they really focused on story here. It was not an action-packed sprint from the beginning. You know, I saw some people complaining on social media, which you know people do that all the time. But I think it's just like you had to know the expectations. This was not going to be just a complete sprint, you know, from start to finish. I think you knew you were going to get a lot of story elements added in, and they did that here. A lot of wrinkles based on the build to this match, um, and it got there. Like, it's one of those where it was, like, it was the definition of a slow build where they started off, you know, and then they just worked and added another layer. They kept adding, and then that led to the finish where you have, you know, a ref bump, and then you knew from there there's going to be a lot of involvement here from others. Uh, You know, the Usos get involved. The Mysterios come down. Seth Rollins is the one that sort of factors into the finish where he comes out the first time, then he comes back, and then that's kind of a distraction for Edge. That allows Reigns to hit the spear and win it. Um, But, you know, it sets up... You do a lot there in that finish, even though there's a lot going on. You know, you continue the sort of theme now, which you're probably going to get the Usos and Mysterios again. Um, You know you're going to get Rollins versus Edge at SummerSlam. And there were times, you know, where I thought they made you believe that Edge may actually win this thing, even though I think the more you looked at it, you realized the direction they were going to head in. And and hey, I think by adding in the element of having Seth Rollins having the promo before saying, "Look, I'm going to be the next person in line for the championship," when he did the promo before this main event, you're thinking, okay, you know, do they maybe do this to where we don't need Reigns and Cena, uh, which we're about to get to as you know, the championship match. We That's a spectacle in and of itself. Do we possibly flip the title here to Edge and have Edge versus Rollins for the title? I just, I never thought that was an actual possibility because I don't think they have any, any plans for Roman Reigns to lose this title unless it's just in a massive, massive moment, um, probably at WrestleMania. Um, and, you know, I, that's where I just did not expect that. But still, there were times where they made you sort of believe in Edge. But as we know, it was Reigns coming out on top and setting up all of this other sort of side stuff to lead to the big one, which was the return of John Cena. And we talk about pops. I, I loved Kofi Kingston's pop. A lot of other people had some big pops on this card, but my goodness, the John Cena pop was uh, just insane. And, um, you know, it's just, it's just incredible to know that, look, this guy's been gone for quite a while now and it's hard to believe, you know, as long as it's been, but, It's just like he and Roman Reigns is just one of those matches. Yes, we've seen it before, but where both of these two are at now, um, it's just such a spectacle. Like, it was always going to be a spectacle when these two were in because, you know, they have been sort of defined as, I guess, you know, the previous chosen ones from WWE, like the chosen top babyface stars, and they were pushed as such. And as we know, it didn't always work out very well for both of them. Uh, but yet they've now sort of met to this point here in July of 2021 where Reigns is at the, at the exact, I mean, he's at the top of his game without question. You have Cena coming back uh, in just the the hottest possible situation because he's been gone. Um, his stardom has rose in terms of Hollywood, all this other stuff. And now you have these two going at each other for the Universal Championship in the main event of SummerSlam. Uh, this is, I mean, you know, Talk about dream matches and all this other stuff. I don't know if you put that in that category because again, we have seen it before, but I just think, you know, if you're Vince McMahon and everything you do is leading up, you know, to your top main event at your arguably, you know, your second biggest show of the entire year, there's really no other direction to go. Like if you knew you're getting John Cena back, you've got Roman Reigns here as hot as he's ever been. Um, there's just there's no other way to do it, and there's no other way to go than having these two and, and I can Only imagine what the crowd reaction is going to be for these two. Um, You know, we know there's going to be the dueling chance. You're going to have everything going on here. But I just think this is going to be an absolute spectacle uh, with these two. And um, it's just, I thought it was fitting that they, you know, you end the show with this. You have a little bit of a cliffhanger, not knowing exactly what's going to happen. And we've seen since now. As I'm recording this, Cena's going to be uh, on Raw. He's going to kick off the show on Raw, so who knows what goes along with that? But we know where this is headed. It's going to be John Cena versus Roman Reigns at excuse me, at SummerSlam, um, and it's going to be you know one of those matches that people are going to really be invested in. And um, I, as I said, we'll talk about it going forward. I think right, you don't really see any reason why you're going to have Cena win. I mean, you're going to talk about you know the records and all these other stuff. You know, Cena's title title reigns and everything, but. I just think that this is one where this is just adds another sort of, you know, notch under the belt for Roman Reigns in terms of what this character has been able to accomplish. Um, so I, I, it's going to be fascinating, but uh, it's just this felt like a show and really to have seen it cap it off. You know, we've seen some of the returns they've had. Finn Balor returned on SmackDown. We know the Becky return is just, you know, inevitable at this point. Um, we know Goldberg, like we said, is coming back on Raw. Um, it's, it feels refreshed everything, you know, we've talked about a lot when it comes to raw and everything, uh, over the years. And, and yes, like there has been a lot to nitpick, uh, in recent months when it comes to raw and, you know, the ratings have kind of reflected some of the issues, you know, they've had on both shows. Like both of them have been perfect, they haven't been perfect on SmackDown either. But, um, this is something where you feel refreshed now you hope, okay, You've got all this, you're pulling all this out. I know a lot of it still involves, you know, former, past stars. But if you use them in the right way, that's fine. You know, you, it's not like, you know, you can't just have everyone come back. Now, look, if, if Cena come back and wins the title, if Goldberg comes back and wins the title, then we're having a different conversation. But if you use them in the right way to elevate your current stars, that's fine. And it does sort of feel like you have a complete sort of refresh here for WWE, You've got a lot of new directions storyline-wise. Um, you've got people coming back that are going to be cornerstones of your company. You know, like we said, maybe not just the people like Goldberg who are coming, off for, or coming back for one-offs or anything like that, but you've got Becky coming back. You know, like we said, Cena's going to hang around, seemingly, for a little while. Um, so there's just, th- there's a lot of optimism, and <laughs> I hesitate to say that sometimes with WWE because, as we've seen, we've been burned a lot on that, but I think there is reason for optimism now to see what they can do with this because you know this was a a great show. Like this was just a a very good pay-per-view. And I think that how do you, you know, follow up on that? That's always the question. Uh and that's going to be kind of where we set our expectations heading into at least on paper, what looks like a fantastic uh SummerSlam card. So uh that was money in the bank and uh, just some thoughts. Uh wanted to uh kind of share some of those. Uh, based on, again, a lot was happening on this pay-per-view, and it's probably going to lead into a lot of uh, stuff coming out of it on this week's Raw and SmackDown. But, of course, we'll have all that covered over at 411mania.com. You can check everything out there. Be sure to check out our reviews, uh, our written reviews that we have over there on Money in the Bank as well. And, of course, we'll have the coverage of all the shows throughout the week, not just WWE, but uh, AEW, Impact, all of that. Uh, So check everything out there, and uh, be sure... Uh, to subscribe to the podcast, as always, uh, just search for 411 on Wrestling. You can subscribe there. And, and uh, as we teased on the previous episode of the podcast, uh, we are going to continue sort of our retro reviews. Uh, Steve and I will be back in a, uh, an upcoming episode with uh, our Backlash 2002 review to kind of build off of uh, our first one on the WWE draft in 2002 we did a couple weeks ago. Um, so we'll be back with that one. And, uh, again, the uh, GoFundMe for Larry Zonka's family, that will continue to be in the show notes. Uh, so be sure to continue uh, to share and contribute if you can. And uh, as always, uh, thanks for listening to this episode of the podcast. And uh, we'll talk to you next time here on the 411 on Wrestling Podcast.